0: Everything will be alright. Everything is gonna be
1: alright. G'day and welcome to The Pandemi Show. Stories of the pandemic for people living in the pandemic. No one is alone on The Pandemic Show. Thanks for joining us as we unite humanity through stories of hope, connection, and community in the face of the global pandemic. We are all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Thanks for taking a moment to like, subscribe, and follow The Pandemic Show on social media.
2: I'd just like to say that I'm recording this interview on the Upper Canada Treaty Territory, the traditional home of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, and neutral people. We have a very special guest here with us today to talk about the recent visit by Pope Francis in July 2022 to Canada to apologize for the residential school system. Who are you?
0: I am Robin Marshall.
2: Robin, thank you so much for joining us here today on episode 90 of the Pandemic Show, where we are going to explore the Pope's visit to Canada last month and the impact of his apology for the Catholic Church's involvement in residential schools. And for listeners who aren't familiar with residential schools, residential schools were set up in the 1800s in Canada as a way to oppress Indigenous people, to take their land and to assimilate them into colonial culture. Robin, would you agree
0: with that? Highlight on the assimilation.
2: Yeah. And it started with some churches in the early 1800s, around 1831. But by 1880, it was a fully funded system by the federal government, except in the provinces of New Brunswick and PEI. And the last residential school officially closed in 1997. It's something that Canada is coming to terms with. And it's. It's been a big part of the pandemic here in Canada, especially going back to spring 2021, Kamloops, where 215 unmarked graves were found of children that had died during their time at a residential school. And since that time, over a year ago, hundreds and thousands of more unmarked graves have been found at residential school sites across Canada and even in the United States. Yeah. Robin. We met at the Hillside Music Festival on July 24th. I was making the walk-in from parking lot A down to the main stage.
0: Yeah, I was volunteering at that corner directing traffic. And uh, there wasn't any traffic at the moment, so we ended up just having a chat. I was
2: really touched that that was the day, July 24th, that the Pope had arrived in Canada for this huge historical apology I was wearing my Every Child Matters orange shirt, and you and I got talking about it. Like so many Canadians, what do we do next? How do we reconcile this horrible part of our history? There was a Truth and Reconciliation report released in 2015. Canadian Senator Murray Sinclair and a team had been working on it. I think since about 2007 to 2015 there was a final report with 94 calls to action and here we are seven years later and it appears that less than a quarter of the calls to action have been fully implemented but the pope's visit and apology is one of those calls to action 58 and in march 2022, a delegation of Indigenous people from Canada went over to the Vatican, and the Pope first apologized. When we talked that morning, we weren't really sure what to expect. We weren't sure what was going to happen, but our hearts and our souls and our minds were there with the Pope and with the victims of the residential school model. And since that time, the Pope's, the Pope's visit concluded. He was here from July 24th. Until July 29th, he spent time in Alberta, Quebec, and he went up to Nunavut. So what did you, what were you thinking that day, July 24th?
0: I had an interesting experience in high school when I was learning about Canadian history, because I had a teacher who was native, Mr. Walker. He was at the GCBI in Guelph. And um, he was one of the first students to do the Native Studies program offered at um, I forget which university, but I think Nipissing. So when he was teaching high school history, he was teaching about the residential schools and he was teaching about colonialism and he was teaching about the the various effects that that had on Native persons. And I think that was very good for me to experience in high school because it, in the same way that having a Canadian history teacher that was a feminist was very positive for me.
2: It's new that we were taught about residential schools and the oppressive model that was used to exploit Mm -hmm. and assimilate First Nations people here in Canada. I remember when I was in grade eight and there was a little
0: there's chapter. like a little blurb of it. In there the, was a paragraph. The... Yeah. And, we, and
2: we read about children were 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 taken from their families and forced to go to school. And yeah. it, it alluded, it didn't get too specific, but it alluded that they weren't a really good place. And then we watched a movie, I Hear the Owl Call My Name, which, which was a little bit more, it gave you the impression that these children were yeah. abused, these children were neglected and and it showed you the the the, ne- the negative side. Of it. And, the, and, and that was in the 90s. I remember that was around the same time of the Oka crisis where there was a land dispute in Quebec and there was a standoff. Unfortunately, some people died and it lasted for the summer of 1990. And one of the things I remember there is the whiskey trench and the indigenous people were trying to move their children and women away from the conflict and they were driving down they were driving in a convoy and people throwing bottles and rocks. And th- just to see that hate as a young person, that's one of my first, first memories. And to think that people mm. that were older than us, they wouldn't have been taught about it because we were still living in that period of secrecy and denial.
0: And this was all done very much behind closed doors. And like, I have this very personal connection to the residential schools in that I found out recently that one of my great grandmothers was a teacher at one of the residential schools in Southern Ontario. And she was known by my family to be a very nasty woman. She once, when my mother got her ears pierced, chased her down the road screaming heathen and swinging a broom at her, trying to actually hit her with the broom. So...
2: (laughs) If that's how somebody treats their own family, look out yeah. anybody else. Wow, what an interesting connection that somebody in your family who has a bit of a history of being a negative person was involved in this whole situation. On that day we met, that Sunday at Hillside, I was in an optimistic mood yeah. about the Pope's apology. I agree the Pope's apology is very, very symbolic but mm-hmm. symbols matter and how can we move forward if there is no apology and ownership for right. for what was done now? how how are you feeling on July 24th the morning when the pope had just arrived in canada before we knew what was going to happen
0: i think what i ended up saying to you that day was that i don't identify as a christian anymore i for one thing i was i was never catholic i was protestant But as much as I am still spiritual, and as much as I'm still a theist, and as much as I'm still very much like personally involved in my faith, that's too many dead babies for me to want to be associated with that organization.
2: Yeah, I understand that. And I was raised Catholic, just really felt my roots and my childhood with the Pope coming to try to right these historical wrongs. So I was paying attention to it big time. And that's all I could think about and talk about that day. There was a lot of pessimism to people I talked to that anything positive was going to come from the apology. And this was among other white settlers that I was talking to that day just to get a sense of where people were. And then the Pope delivered a apology, I believe was on the Monday, in Alberta one of the things that seemed to be missing from that apology was the recognition of the sexual violence and sexual abuse. And then that seemed to be what you heard people complaining about, that it wasn't touching on all the kind of big sins that had happened or perpetrated against these poor students. But then when he got to Quebec and he was delivering another talk, that talking point had made it in. So during that week that he was here, I did feel that Pope Francis was listening to Canadians, Indigenous people, and watching the APTN News, the Aboriginal People's Television Network, it really did break down a lot of different ways for Indigenous people too. It seemed like there were some people that the apologies meant a great deal to and gave them a lot of peace, especially older people that went through the residential school system Then there seemed to be a lot of other people.
0: You have to keep in mind that it's it's this very complicated situation where a lot of Native persons do identify as Catholic. and to have both of those things in in yourself and know that like one part like one part of your identity was so harmful to the other part of your identity, that reconciliation is so important.
2: It helped a lot of people, and it gave yeah. them some positive closure to a really horrible chapter in their life. So I think that was the positives, that it did really impact some people. But then there was mm-hmm. a lot of other people who the apology didn't didn't mean much. And yeah. when you listen to, to people with that perspective, they thought there wasn't enough action. The Pope wasn't rescinding the doctrine of discovery, which was the legal framework that came about in the late 1400s and early 1500s through papal decrees, which allowed Christian explorers to... Possessed the property of places they went to that were non-Christian. I think it started out with the, um, the
0: Portuguese. If you look at a lot of that Christian history at that point, you have a lot of Pope slash emperors who are essentially using baptism as a form of conquest.
2: Bingo. Yeah. I think it's important that we're all learning about these concepts and talking about them. The doctrine of discovery also said that people that were quote-unquote heathens non-Christians, thank you, they couldn't even own land. So when these Christian explorers went places, just by fact that they were Christian, the other people weren't, they could then own the property, own the land, own the resources and exploit them.
0: I think that's like where I'm having my disconnect with Christianity as an identity is I don't feel that I am in a place where I want to consider people other I feel like that's dangerous and I feel that that's exploitative potentially because when you consider someone other you make them lesser you make them lesser in your mind and you justify certain actions towards them, which could be negative, which you wouldn't do towards someone that isn't other.
2: Very good point, Robin. But I think uh... you're
0: right that the doctrine of discovery very much does that. And if we are looking at the original ideas of missionary work and the original ideas of evangelical action, you're not supposed to You're not supposed to be considering people other, you're supposed to be considering them children of God. Bingo. Because they are children of God who only God can call in. And you're just doing the action of showing what someone who's called in can do. But when you're using things like the doctrine of discovery for your own gain, you're not acting like a Christian. Kaboom big time.
2: Also with the, the doctrine of discovery, it hasn't been mentioned and it's been used as the legal framework that's causing indigenous people a lot of trouble in getting their treaty rights and getting treaties for those of those groups that don't have them. The doctrine of discovery is that linchpin that justifies this whole model of oppression. When the indigenous groups were going to the Vatican in March twenty. Our very first guest on the Pandemic Show, Warren, she said this apology needs to be supported with some action. And one of the -hmm. the big first steps could be rescinding the doctrine of discovery. I think the doctrine of discovery has shown how scary it can be in terms of one group oppressing another Mm -hmm. through this example of the residential school model and the colonialization of North America. But now we're at a stage where we're going into space. I wouldn't want the doctrine of discovery to be used oh, yeah. to justify economic exploitation and oppression out in space and we're at that stage where we've jumped off to the moon we're jumping off to Mars can we be trusted to go out into the galaxy and the universe and meet other other races when we don't have our own legal code and moral guide in order i see the historical implications of the doctrine of discovery and i think it's important that we address this because it could have untold ramifications as we move out into space exploration
0: yeah potentially
2: another concern i have and this is something i hear and i'm seeing across canada is where is the catholic church's healing fund
0: and it's also not just the catholic church like where's the anglican church in this Where's and, the Methodist church in this? Where's the, like, they were all involved.
2: Good point. The Catholic church might have had the most residential schools, but it seemed like every major religion at the time was involved.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, the Anglican church has its hands just as dirty.
2: I can only imagine the politics involved in the Vatican and the politics involved in this whole story. Like,
0: but, like, you you look at the history of Canada and, like, the history of our political rulership and christian religion is integral to that leadership they haven't been separate historically they they've said that they are like that there's a ch- separation between church and state but that hasn't been true historically until like recently and even now like we're just kind of getting there that's a
2: really good insight too robin we act like we've got the separation of church and state but when we look in practice it doesn't seem that we have that
0: also like you look at the history of like things like the orange order which have been historically i'm not saying whether they are now but historically they've been outright racist look up sometime how many of our prime ministers have been part of the orange order it's it's a percentage
2: robin thanks for shining more historical light on this important conversation here today on the pandemi show we met the first day of the Pope's visit. Nothing had really happened. It was kind of a wait and see. As you watched that week unfold with the Pope's presentation in Alberta, then in Quebec, and then up in Nunavut, what what were you thinking that week?
0: I, I don't think it was for me in any way, shape, or form, just because I have never identified as Catholic. The Pope is not a significant figure for me. But I recognize that the Pope is a significant figure for a lot of people that were directly involved in this case or in these cases. So for that reason, I was very hopeful that it would be that missing piece that a lot of them needed to heal. And for that reason, I thought it was a very good thing that was happening, but it wasn't for me. I
2: definitely felt invested in what was going yeah. on. Now, I didn't yeah. know what was going to come from it. And I, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what comes from it now. Is the Catholic Church going to pony up the money that they're on the hook for, for the healing? Are the other churches going to do that? Or are they going to go screaming and kicking and not wanting to do any of the real work that's involved? Even when you hear about the number of files that were moved from Canada to the Vatican, and I, I, I'm not sure about the other face, if they've got similar kinds of things in terms of needing to share all the information that they have regarding this time in history. But it, it seems like there's so much more that needs to be done, and I wonder if it's going to get done. And then in terms of the, the, the economic settlements, and then even when you hear about there's new charges and allegations in Quebec around one of the bishops in Quebec being inappropriate towards
0: people. I don't see how you can have suddenly no problems of this sexual nature when we know that it's been endemic to the Catholic Church and to the other church bodies as well. This would like be a good time in
2: this might be a good time too for the church allowing maybe, priests to, like the, a vow of celibacy. Yeah. Uh, maybe we need to rethink
0: that. I I think that there is an overlap with people that are going to be willing to take a vow of appearing celibate and people that are willing to take advantage of that situation. I don't think necessarily that all people that are celibate are going to be sexual criminals
1: but Good i line. think that
0: there's an overlap and i think it's been allowed to occur within that system just because there is so much built up trauma within that group like i don't know how you're supposed to have someone that has likely experienced that trauma Be in charge of stopping it, for instance.
2: Very complex. Yeah. Very complex. But you
0: get the same thing within families where child sexual trauma has occurred. You need, like, I don't know, maybe the government needs to be mandating therapy for ministers.
2: It is such a horrific subject and i don't know what the the right answers are and, and i don't know how it got this bad but i'm glad that we're talking about it and yeah. that we're ending the secrecy i'm glad the pope listened to people across canada coast to coast yeah. to coast in his talk in quebec he explicitly addressed the sexual exploitation of children by members of the church yeah. um This very important symbolic apology, one of the 94 calls to action, called Action 58, the Pope's apology, it really is just the beginning of more hard work. Because when I talk to people in the know, I'm told that there's even more Indigenous children in custody, whether it's foster care, some other type of government custody now than during residential
0: school. So the, the well, intergenerational. Well, have have keep in mind that more Indigenous children are being considered Indigenous than were previously, because before the policies of the government were to exclude people from that identity in as many cases as possible.
2: Interesting.
0: So, like my boyfriend, he's just applying for his native status now because that's possible. Whereas before, because his mother was part of the 60s sweep, she was adopted into a Christian family and would not have been considered of Native status anymore.
2: Because of the adopted family.
0: Right. But now she has her status. And this is all thanks to work being done within the Native community. So like, we can't solve this problem for another group the solutions have to come from these native bands who are going to solve their own problems with our support. And when they're asking for our support, monetarily, and like, that's mostly it, like we should be answering that call, and trusting them to know what is best for their own people.
2: Good point, Robin. That's interesting too. how the government at the time would categorize people differently.
0: If you got married to a Caucasian person, like you lost your status if you were a woman.
2: A lot of important details. Such a complex, yet not confusing conversation, right and wrong.
0: But like when we try to say that like the government should step in and solve the water issues and that sort of thing, like that's not necessarily... As simple as a pro- of a problem as, uh, as it sounds like, because a lot of cases come down to the government doesn't want to give up control to these native groups that really just need to be able to govern their own
2: lives. And the indigenous people of Canada are still governed by the Indian Act, which nobody seems to be happy with how that's that's working.
1: Right.
2: It's interesting as we move into the end of summer 2022, where this whole reconciliation journey is going to go next. But I think the fact that we're talking about it and that things are happening, important symbolic things like Pope Francis coming to Canada and apologizing, hopefully this momentum will continue and we can get rid of some of these historical historical dynamics of the other and we can yeah we can get rid of that limiting mindset
0: yeah well in that infantilizing mindset of like i can solve your problem better than you can
2: what do you think people should be looking for and what should we be saying less than 25 percent of the calls to action have been been addressed we're going into a municipal election cycle here in southern ontario Should I be asking my municipal counselor, what is the township of Blanford Blenheim doing in terms of the truth and reconciliation report? I guess I should be doing that. We should we should all be doing that seven years,
0: seven years on. We should and pass them a a copy of it. Like, I haven't read it, but like, I'm also not in government and like they should have (laughs) like
2: last summer. I started reviewing the summary report. I found it really upsetting how bad the experience was. These children were sent to the residential schools when they got there, their hair was cut, their clothes were thrown out and burned. They were dehumanized in so many different ways. Then they were forced to garden and they weren't even allowed to eat the food that they gardened. They were fed subpar food and and the tone of the report as it sheds light on the all these historical uh, well,
0: it was supposed to be self-sustaining, right? And you do that by enslaving your your subjects, basically.
2: Alarming. When
0: you view people as commodities and other, you don't mind doing such things to them. And
2: during the report, the tone that Senator Maurice Sinclair and the other, the important people that worked on that report, they talked about how reconciliation can't be about guilt shame and blame and we need to bring people together as we end this silence get us talking about it and acknowledging it and now the pandemic has pushed a lot of people off the deep end in terms of misinformation and 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 believing well
0: isolation is really bad for critical thinking because we do critical thinking best when we bounce ideas off of each other and we have those people to tell us wait no that's like really off, off the deep end, exactly like you're saying. But when we're isolated and we're only in taking information from a few sources, uh, we have the tendency to go off the deep end and we have the tendency to stray from center.
2: We're lucky that we're going through the great reopening that we were able to gather and celebrate music and culture at the Hillside music festival. Oh, yeah. And hopefully this great reopening paired with the Pope's apology, the symbolic apology, hopefully this will allow us all to have more conversations with our neighbors, with our families, with our friends on this important topic. So we can be thinking critically about our next steps.
0: Yeah. And I, I think anything that the government does should definitely take into account the voices of the people that it's affecting, because we are each the experts on our own condition.
2: Robin, we are so lucky here at the Pandemic Show that you were able to join us today with your unique perspective on this important matter. And I'm really grateful that I met you on the long walk from parking lot A to the main
1: stage (laughs) at Guelph Lake
2: on the first day of the papal visit in July 24th. And I've gotten a lot out of this talk.
1: Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Pandemic Show. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemyshow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing The Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. Do you have an interesting pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemyshow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the pandemic show.